This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. This sounds like Belt and Road, and it sounds like the United States at the local level is sort of inviting this granular kind of Belt and Road that's it's off the uh, radar. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. When you want an affordable, consistent meat option for your family, look no further than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers believe there is no quality like American quality and that everyone deserves to know where their meat comes from. Delivering 100% American, never imported meat straight to your door, Good Ranchers products have no added hormones or antibiotics. Cattle are pasture-raised, chickens are free-range, and Good Ranchers farms use the most innovative techniques to ensure every cut of meat hits your table a cut above the rest. The T-bones, burgers, ribeye, and chicken are all some of the best I've had. Everything is hand cut and trimmed, individually vacuum sealed, and flash frozen to ensure superior quality. So right now, use code Dana to get $30 off your order plus free express shipping. Get premium steakhouse quality meat without the premium prices. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana and save $30 off your next order plus free express shipping. Eat seriously delicious food from GoodRanchers.com slash Dana. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Admiral, uh, one on uh, Taiwan, if you would, and one on the Middle East very quickly. You keep telling us that U.S. policy hasn't changed and that the United States does not support an independent Taiwan. And yet, if we look at what Speaker Pelosi tweeted from the ground in Taiwan, her post actually states, quote, America stands with Taiwan. We all know that Taiwan harbors uh, ambitions toward independence. When the Speaker of the House says, we stand with Taiwan, America stands with Taiwan, how can the Chinese construe that as anything else but that you're supporting independence? I'll let the Speaker speak for herself. Um, all I can tell you, James, is what I told you yesterday, uh, and I'm happy to repeat it. Nothing has changed about our adherence to the One China policy. Nothing has changed about uh, our stance on Taiwan independence, which is that we do not support Taiwan independence. And nothing has changed, James, uh, about our commitments and how seriously we take those commitments under the Taiwan Relations Act. Everything is consistent, James. I, I, I can't say that any more clearly. But it's not, though. I can't say it any more clearly. Well, the problem is that you have the Taiwan Relations Act, and then you have the Travel Act that was passed under Trump and signed, which normalized visits from high-ranking government officials. So the problem is that you, you sit here and you say this stuff, but then you pass things contrary to this. All of this is Jimmy Carter's fault. Golly, what a just rat-brained, horrible president he was. Welcome to the show. Dana Lash here. It is post-primary. Wednesday, a lot of stuff to go over. It was a very nice evening. And we're going to go over, well, kind of. Kansas, there's a little, yeah. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to dive into all of that stuff because I want to make sure you're aware of where everything sits as we roll into midterms. Nancy Pelosi has departed Taiwan and is on her way. They've got, you know, she's got the rest of her Asia trip ahead of her. She'll also be headed to uh, Japan and talking about that. But that yesterday, that that discussion, that question that Peter Ducey had asked John Kirby was very, that was very interesting. They are just throwing her under the bus. Now, I don't think that this is going to create World War II. And I know that there's some people on the right. You know, There was a letter that went out where they were, uh, had, uh, 
taking issue with Nancy Pelosi going and there were apparently some that and, and, and or not taking an issue supporting her, the issue of her going. And there were some Republicans whose names were conspicuous, conspicuously absent from it. People like Mike Lee or the Rand Pauls, et cetera. And I mean, I just I mean, I think there's something, you know, that's there. There might be something to their reasoning there. But there is the question of why now? Why is it of all the times now? Why it couldn't have been just, you know, a little bit, little, you know, any other time. But, you know, at the same time, you know, what what is the Taiwan Relations Act? I was reading it last night. I mean, they're quite, I mean, it's quite clear in what it says we can, what it says you can do and what it says you can't do. I mean, there was, you know, a point in it where it, it discusses how, Uh, and this was in the Taiwan Relations Act, quote, the United States will make available to Taiwan such defense articles and services in such quantity as may be necessary to enable Taiwan to maintain a sufficient self-defense capability. I mean, that's not for nothing. It's not saying you go to war, but it's not for nothing. I love how everybody always immediately goes to war, too. That's always just we're going to just go right to war, not not anything else. So she's uh, left... Uh, Taiwan, they, she had a great welcome. They had people out in the streets. The buildings were all lit up. She left Taipei. This was after, I think, 22 jets from China actually crossed into Taiwanese airspace. They had all these military drills. They were sounding their alarms. China was in the middle of the night. There was a video that came out about that, which is weird because you would only sound your alarm like if somebody was coming to get you. That's so stupid. Why did they do that? We're going to sound the alarms here. We're all the only people that are causing the aggression, but we're going we're gonna to sound the alarms here. And so uh, she had a news conference. She said, our delegation came here to send an unequivocal message. All, you know what, all this administration would have to say is, you know, we just simply believe in, because the Taiwan Relations Act, right after Jimmy Carter closed our embassy in Taipei and um, solidified relations with uh, communist China, that's when the Congress at the same time in 79 passed the Taiwan Relations Act. So all they would have to do is say, we're not doing anything other than what the Taiwan Relations Act allows. Furthermore, they could they could also add that, you know, we're not doing anything further beyond the uh, Taiwan Travel Act under under Trump, which further normalized visits by government officials. They don't have to. That's all they would have to say. Just leave it at that. You don't need to sit here and grovel. I mean, golly, could you cock any harder to Xi Jinping? Could you? So we're uh, we're watching all of this. Also, Democrats tax bill. We we're going to talk here coming up. I don't want to get into it just yet because I have so many other things to hit this first segment. Uh, But what ultimately ended up convincing Joe Manchin, the Senate passes the Veterans Health Bill. Can I just say something about this? Because Jon Stewart is an absolute clown turd. He is an absolute desiccated clown turd. This the disingenuousness of this all. First off, if this was about veterans, ask yourself, Mr. Stewart, your why your precious party. And yes, I say that because he's parroting all of their talking points on this. Why the hell did Democrats include four hundred billion dollars of non-veteran wasteful spending? All of their entitlements, all of their special projects, they tacked onto this. And then when Republicans wouldn't acquiesce to adding $400 billion onto the taxpayer's bill overall, then Democrats made a big show about why do you hate veterans? I don't remember John Stewart getting this ticked off when veterans were dying by six figures from the Obama-Biden VA. I don't remember John Stewart being out in the street all mad about that. I don't remember John Stewart going to Washington, D.C. and asking Democrats why the hell they weren't moving faster after 
after it came out because of an IG report that over 306,000 veterans languished and died waiting for just essential, basic, and sometimes first-seen doctor care. I don't remember him getting so mad over that. But now he's going to go on this like rampage over tar pits and everything else. Dude, where the hell were you when they were drafting this and they were socking in $400 billion of non-veteran care? You were fine with veterans? $400 billion not being spent on them in a bill about veterans? I am so tired of this drama queen. He gets out there and he acts like he's on such a righteous rampage. Dude, you're not righteous. I think you regret giving up your show on Comedy Central. That's all I think this is. This bill included gobs of non-veteran spending. This thing would have passed forever ago had Democrats not done that. So I'm so tired of being bitched at by a washed-up comedian who was completely silent when he was on Comedy Central, completely silent when Obama-Biden were in the White House, when you had vets dying by the hundreds of thousands. Remember that whole thing with the VA? Scandal. Now, the uh, couple of other things to see here. The primaries. Big news last night. Missouri's Senate seat is safe. They did. uh, Democrats picked Trudy Bush Valentine. That's not going to be anything to worry about. Uh, Eric Schmidt, the Missouri AG, won by a landslide. That is not in any way, shape, or form a an exaggeration, a landslide victory. He got more votes than Vicki Hartzler, who came in second, and ex-governor Eric Greitens, who came in third, combined. Now, I, uh, I, I told you I, right out of the gate a long time ago I liked Schmidt because he was a strong 2A defender, and that's, that's one of my issues. Solid conservative. He was double digits ahead early in the night. I mean, it was so it was so early that Cook Political Report called it like in the first hour. Now, I have a quick uh, a quick some a couple quick words here because I'm not going to sit here and dance on the grave of the Republican opponents. I have a rule. I don't get nasty until other people do and then I finish it and then people complain that I get nasty. Well, then don't start anything and I won't have to do it. I don't like doing it. But I will say this. I, I think that there are some consultants that are going to rue the day that they burn some bridges with certain folks because of their ridiculous behavior in this primary. Uh, as to Greitens, he chose to get dirty and ridiculous. He, he had his speech last night, didn't concede, didn't congratulate. Billy Long is a class act. Billy Long went out there. First thing, he tweets, oh, I called and congratulated. This is not about bending a knee to Eric Schmidt. It's about bending a knee to the Missouri voters who chose Eric Schmidt. Like three to one. It was I have not seen in that primary. I've never seen anything like that in that state. And I was in I was involved in politics in that state for quite a long time. Schmidt's a solid conservative. This seat is in the bag. The general election is going to be a formality at this point. That's why they had Trudy Bush Valentine get in the race so late, because everybody thought it was going to be Greitens. And so they got Bush Valentine to get in because they knew what's this? What's that guy? I'm afraid to say his last name because it rhymes with a female copulatory organ. The the guy who was not Trudy, who was a guy and not Trudy Bush Valentine, the Lewis, Lance, Larry, whatever the hell his name was. You know what I'm talking about? I don't I'm not saying his name. I can't. It's K-U-N-C-E. I'm not saying it. Anyway, they got her to get in there because they thought they were going to have this great, you know, she's she's the B-U-S-C-H family. 
So that was going to be kind of an interesting matchup. But Schmidt took it away. And he's, you know, Schmidt, for his part, I know that there was this stupid gossip going around from the greetings, Bannon people, that, oh, he, he's a big supporter of Mitch McConnell. Uh, Mitch McConnell didn't endorse him because Schmidt has said repeatedly before and publicly and privately that he doesn't like McConnell. That's something that I heard a long time ago. So all these people who are pushing this stuff, I mean... He focuses on doing his, he was focused on doing his job as AG, right? I mean, when you're a guy who all you do is fight with your ex-wife and you, you know, decide to run for every office on God's green earth, you have time to sit here and do that stuff and go out and make videos of yourself. But, you know, he was busy. No, I'm not going to be magnanimous about this because I don't appreciate the dirtiness with which I saw some people behave. Now, I'll say this. I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to dance on nobody's grave, but I'm going to say this. If you can't run your own house, you cannot make decisions for voters' houses, and that's exactly what Missourians decided. The establishment was not after Eric Greitens, unless we're calling his inability to keep it in his pants, his fondness for creating gun-free zones while bashing Second Amendment protections or violating campaign campaign finance laws, unless we're calling all of that the establishment collectively now, along with redefining words and misusing pronouns, the establishment was not after him. He is the establishment. He literally is the rhino that he hunted. In fact, voters hunted him out of the race. That's what happened. These people, these consultants who were able to fleece this one-time DCC recruit, I hope they make better assessments of their skill sets and reality the next time around because they were jeopardizing a legitimate sound victory for a, a candidate who was just doing this as an appeal to his own vanity. I mean, Greetings, maybe he can pull a Kinsinger and become an MSNBC contributor. Maybe he can put a wig on, go on The View. I hear they're looking for somebody like that. But this, 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 this result wasn't anywhere near close. And the few people claiming that they're going to vote for a Democrat against Schmidt in the general because they didn't get Greitens. Well, Greitens was a Democrat right up until he began running in 2016. So y'all just make that trajectory full circle. Just don't call anybody rhinos. You forfeit that card. Now, for everybody else, they had a few rough election cycles, and they deserve a clear and concise victory for Senate, and they got it. They worked for it, they got it, and they deserve it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, big congrats to my home state and the U.S. Senator, future U.S. Senator from Missouri, Eric Schmidt. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. CPAC Chairman Matt Schlapp explains why firing Nancy Pelosi and winning the midterms needs to be our white-hot focus, or 2024 might not even matter. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, Matt and I also discuss how a small number of leftists are ruining our corporations and institutions and why conservative ideas are better because they work and they make us happy. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Well, 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 a few things here to make sure that we hit. So, we, I really want to, I need to get into this Utah thing. A Utah man attempted to kill a spider. I Now, before you hate, that's understandable. But it sparked a 60-acre wildfire. I mean, haven't we all been here, though? A 60-acre <laughs> wildfire erupted Monday through parts of north-central Utah. He was walking his... Oh, well, there's a lot more. I like how they go, well, he was walking his dog carrying marijuana and drug paraphernalia. And he attempted to burn a spider to death. I would say kill it. Just kill it. You can't burn it to death. You just kill it. Uh, Utah County Sheriff's Office said that they arrived at the fire east of Springfield. They saw the suspect, who was not immediately identified, walking his dog in the area. He confessed that he accidentally started it while using a lighter to burn the spider. They Sergeant said uh, Sergeant Spencer Cannon told KSL, not sure why he felt the need to have to burn it. But, you know, all the regret in the world doesn't change that outcome. Yeah, and then they found marijuana and drug paraphernalia in his backpack. Oh, he's in Utah, not Colorado. I was getting ready to say, ain't that legal there? But now he can serve up to a year in prison and a fine of $2,500. I think that's mainly for the fire, not really the pot. But, you know, who among us, though, hasn't seen a spider and thought fire? Just, you know, I'm just just going to... Nobody cares. I guess Demi Lovato wasn't getting... I don't even know who... She's like some... She was on Nickelodeon. She uh, decided to change her pronouns again for the people who didn't care that she changed her pronouns the first time. This is this is what you do when you don't make albums anymore. You just bitch and moan about pronouns and everything else and act like a victim when you're like one of the most entitled people on God's green earth. That's all you do. So I uh, was looking over this list because I was telling you that the premier protein drinks a couple of days ago, there was like a recall of this. Well, now Oatly. So if you if you like the oat milk which every now and then I'll go through a phase and I'll pretend I'm, you know, like a Whole Foods shopper and I'll eat, I'll drink oat milk. Oatly and something called Stumptown. Who drinks that? Let's have a delicious glass of Stumptown. Nobody's doing this. They're among 53 products recalled for potential microbial contamination. I thought it was just they were being recalled for being gross. But it's microbial contamination. Uh, Some of it is the premier protein drink, Stumptown Coffee. Stump Town, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a big list somewhere. Just Google it. It's an FDA under safety, and then recalls. And there's a t- long list of stuff. Premier is the only thing that I would actually do. So just you know, check your stuff. You know, be be wise about it. We got a lot more on the way. Don't go anywhere. More of the Dana Show coming up. If you're a regular listener, then you've heard me talk about Keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms. Privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one of a kind American made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market, they innovate new ones, including the new P50. The P50 platform is based around a 50-round double-stack magazine which lays horizontally along the top of the grip. The 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants, from sporting, hunting, to personal defense, and with how easy it handles its smooth shooting, because it's well-balanced and thus accurate. You can definitely see Keltec's reliability and quality at work. The P50 is fun on the range, but it's also great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P50 and all other Keltec weapons, and products, check out keltechweapons.com. That's K E L T E C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com.
Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I am surprised by the margin, uh, not mm. necessarily the outcome. I am blown away by the numbers. Um, and, you know, I think people need to remember that midterms are all about who has passion and emotion on their side of the equation. Uh, the way you overcome midterm elections and a sitting president and the historical fact that they typically are bad is you get people motivated. And our party, I think for too long, here has been motivated. So in- that's Claire McCaskill. She was talking about Kansas, uh, some of the Kansas results from last night. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. So this let me just I'm going to get into some of the other stuff as well. I got some wokery and all of that. Kansas, a lot of people and we talked about this. Uh, on the program last week, and I had just closed out. I had the, their secretary state up their side up all this. So Kansas was the first state in the nation that was voting on this uh, issue of abortion. Like they're a part of like an amendment for their trigger law, from what I the way that I understand the wording. And it was an amendment to their constitution that would have allowed their state legislature to regulate abortion or make you know whatever a different different regulate different rules associated with it this was um it seemed like it was popularly supported and i was kind of watching it actually more or less i was sort of watching the spending because on issues like this this is when spending does count and then the the way that i uh was looking at this the Kansas issue, it does seem like it's a weird state for pro-choice or pro-abortion folks to have a victory, right? It's Kansas. But this was an amendment, the way that it was written and the way that media wrote about it, oh, they were going to ban abortion. It wasn't about them banning abortion. It was about the state making decisions to restrict it so that it couldn't be used as a form of birth control. There is a difference there. You know what I mean? And so this was the first test of voter sentiment since Dobbs versus Jackson of Women's Health ultimately undid Roe v. Wade. And that's why a lot of people were watching this. Now, what the amendment would have done, there was a 2019 um, under their state constitution, a 2019 SCOTUS decision about abortion as a quote unquote fundamental right, et cetera, et cetera. So everyone was saying, well, Trump won this state by 15 points. So if it fails here, that's going to be a test. See, they're putting everything on Trump coattails. It's funny. But the way that Kansas is set up, they allow abortion up until the 22nd week of pregnancy. After that, it's only allowed to save the the mother's life or pretend or prevent any kind of irreversible. I think the ling- the the, the uh, law reads irreversible physical impairment of a major bodily function. And so the amendment it it failed the the they voted against this amendment to the constitution and the amendment was backed by the value of them both campaigns so the state legislature they would have been able to regulate this you know a little further and that's very interesting that it there was a lot of money though and that's the other thing like i said you know when you have issues like this it ends up being that you know it's a lot of a lot of money can get involved in these kind of races and they outspent, I mean, a massive, I mean, they outspent the pro-life people by a massive amount. 
that kind of goes that money can you know that can be a powerful thing especially when it's an issue driven uh ballot when it's a ballot the, the ballot's driven kind of by the issue and so that's kind of something to you know d- democrats are celebrating it but you know what they're going to get a lot of heat because coming up in november people won't be voting on amendments they're going to be voting on candidates and that's going to make it a little harder for them that's going to make it you know that's a little that's a little tougher so very interesting and a lot of people are still dissecting that turnout there or what happened ultimately with kansas but i think it was too it was a lot of money that was spent and money is speech i'm actually not for restricting it but very interesting also the let's see in uh Michigan, this is going to be interesting. Tudor Dixon wins Michigan's primary uh, for Republican governor. She also has a fascinating name. It's T-U-D-O-R, Tudor Dixon. She's going to face Gretchen Whitmer in the general election. She's going to face Big Gretch coming up in November 8th. And she was leading. She had uh, 40% of the vote. She ran away kind of very similar to what we saw with Eric Schmidt in Missouri. Tudor Dixon absolutely ran away She's going to be really good as uh, as a politician because she's got a news background. She's like a news commentator and she's conservative. So she's this is going to be good for her. She's um, when you the media training is like one of the hardest things for candidates. It honestly, it really is. And so Tudor Dixon, she uh, beat out a ton of other people. There were a lot of they had a good from what I understand. They had a really good bench there in Michigan for that Republican race. So. Interesting, interesting. So we're going to watch, we'll continue watching that one because that's going to be a huge, can you imagine? That's going to be a huge battle in November with Big Gretch and Tudor Dixon. So she's, I mean, she's, she's relatively young. Um, I mean, she's only a couple of years older than I am. And she's uh, media trained. I think she could really go far. And she, she handled questions and she handled all the nastiness from the left really well in her primary because they were still they, they were i think everybody the left early on was hedging their bets they they i think they were anticipating that it was going to be tudor dixon that's going to be one to watch now in arizona da, 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 da. so in because you had arizona kansas michigan missouri and washington they all had stuff going on uh also in michigan by the way they had um uh, there were some moves in the Democrat House. Nobody cares. Uh, they also had uh, Peter Meyer, who he he was a guy who voted to impeach Trump for J6. He lost his Republican primary to John Gibbs. So that was an interesting race because everyone's saying that 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 was one of the anti-Trump guys who ended up losing to a Trump back guy. So that's something it kind of make note on that. Uh, also, in let's see, in we talked about Eric Schmidt in Missouri for the Democrat side of things, you had. The uh, you know, Cory Bush, she kept her seat. She had a primary last night. And then you had Trudy Bush Valentine, B-U-S-C-H. She's going to be the Democrat nominee for Senate. Uh, you had a couple of moves in some of these other district races. In Arizona, Blake Masters is going to face off against Mark Kelly in November. Mark Kelly is in trouble. He's also one of the guys that I was saying, this is why the, the Senate, this is why Schumer does not want Democrats in the Senate to have to deal with gun control stuff because that's not a strong issue for Mark Kelly. I know it's odd considering you know who his wife is and all of that, but that's just that's just what the polls have been showing. So they're going to face off 
And then in Washington, Democrat Senator Patty Murray, she got her primary. Uh, uh, then Kansas, you had a guy, there's, there's, I mean, there's some predictable moves in Kansas, except for the uh, abortion, uh, the pro-life amendment. So some very interesting things. Now, the House is still, Republicans are still on track to take the House. And I think that one of the biggest stories, and I was reading about this over at Cook Political as well, because the... I don't, I think it's too, there's a lot of debate right now as to whether or not the abortion issue in Kansas, the failure of that amendment, means that that is a winning issue to campaign on across the nation. And from what I'm seeing, just in what I've collected this morning, that seems to be the prevailing thought amongst the left. Because they're like, wow, if something like this failed in super red Kansas, where Donald Trump took that plus 15 in 2020, well then, shouldn't that work elsewhere around the country? That's why I keep saying that, and, and I'll, I'm going to come back to this. That's why I keep saying I think the money spent is a factor because they were just, from what I understand and what I heard from some of our listeners out in Kansas, they really had a major, the uh, pro-choice folks had a huge ad buy. And that's, you know, that counts for something. One other quick thing that I wanted to hit because I found this a fascinating thing too, as it relates to social media and then uh, what that does because a lot of people wonder what what is the measure of social media where it concerns these candidates so just for just for example in Missouri so Vicki Hartzler was not super active or I don't want to say competitive on social media I mean she didn't she didn't get into the fight on social media and her surrogates didn't really do that either which is kind of interesting now when you look at the breakdown of the vote she took she and and Schmidt uh, had the sizable rural vote her vote was mostly rural voters which might explain why because people are busy working and they're not gonna be on social media all day they're not gonna be in a cubicle they're gonna be in a damn cubicle all day doing stuff so there is something there's a little something to that um, as it relates to the other ones I think they said Billy Long's social media was kind of about that was sort of the same thing um, I'm looking at a couple of other things here. They said, too, for as looking at Schmidt and Greetings, and this uh, came from Reese Ellis, looking at, at uh, Schmidt and, and Greetings, they said that he, Greetings had about 4.43 actual votes for every social media follower. So he massively underperformed and that Schmidt was the most competitive. Because everyone's like, well, you know, Twitter's not real life. But it does does do something, depending on the candidate and the message. And the and some of these numbers that they were putting out were before Tr- Trump um, weighed in the day before the election. But Schmidt had, like, the best payoff uh, for his, I think it was, like, 6.5 actual votes for every social media follower averaging Facebook with Twitter. So I think it's really interesting when you're looking at these candidates and trying to determine who's most competitive with how how active they are online because Hartzler wasn't yet she came in second yet her biggest pull was from rural areas uh Schmidt had a huge pull from rural areas but he had a huge pull elsewhere and I think Greitens of the two had like the the of the top three had the least pull from rural areas which I also thought was interesting because I would imagine those areas would be most MAGA right but apparently that's not what was measuring up he only had tens of people at his uh his watch party so I just I thought that was that that was a, a fun little breakaway to look at because going into midterms just kind of keep that you know 
just because a candidate may not be completely you know, arguing every single day or their surrogates may not be on, on social media every single day, they may not necessarily translate to votes. It all depends on where their base is pulled from. Uh, and even like some suburban folks, suburban can kind of go half and half. So that was kind of interesting, a little interesting pull out there. So for I got more election stuff, but I'm going to I'm going to break it up here because you'll get you're going to get election overload. I, I was breaking down all this stuff. I have to share with you uh, because we got wokery here coming up as well. The uh, FBI, there are people who are revolting against their headquarters. Washington Examiner had a really interesting story. Whistleblowers are starting to come forward and they're revealing the the, the, uh, discrimination against conservatives. So there have been a number of whistleblowers that have come out, reports the Washington Times. And ever since, remember when I was saying Charles Grassley from Iowa, when he came out and was was talking about this, uh, the protection of Hunter Biden by the FBI, and there was a whistleblower, apparently more have come forward. And I thought it was interesting that I know that Grassley's on uh, the committee that actually would oversee activities of FBI, etc. But he is such a non-charismatic you know, very calm dude who tweets about deer on the road in Iowa, that it was just, he doesn't engage in hyperbole is my point. And so for him to come out with something like that, that was a pretty, that was a pretty heavy accusation that had a lot of weight. Well, uh, Ron Johnson is corroborating a lot of this. Apparently more whistleblowers are coming forward to these two senators and that there, I mean, apparently there's enough of them that are saying, uh, saying things that, um, I mean, they're, I, they, I can't see how there's not going to be a hearing after midterms at this point. Very interesting. With the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they've been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans, and thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code Dana to get free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts just for you. Come join the movement and make the switch. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, or call 972-PATRIOT. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. John, something you just said is not consistent with what we were told last year. You're saying that you've always known there was a small number of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. President Biden said, what interest do we have in Afghanistan at this point with al-Qaeda gone? Yeah, I mean, in a major way, al-Qaeda was not playing a... No, wait, let me, let me finish. They weren't playing a major role uh, in in operations uh, or resourcing or planning in Afghanistan. But Peter, I don't know specifically because I was at a different podium a year ago and we talked about the fact that Al-Qaeda had a presence in Afghanistan, but small and not incredibly powerful or, or, uh, or potent. And I think, again, without getting into numbers, we would still assess that to, to be the case. <laughs> Boy, that was an interesting back and forth between Peter Ducey and John Kirby yesterday because Ducey rightfully asked, okay, so you always knew Al-Qaeda was president in Afghanistan, so why, you know, Biden had said, and I remember that, uh, well, we don't have any interest in Afghanistan with Al-Qaeda gone. That was his direct line. 
we don't have any interest in Afghanistan with Al-Qaeda gone. That was his line. So, yeah, I'm just, I've I made a question here. What was he doing there? I still, guys, I know you're tired of hearing me talk about the amazing Ginsey missile. I can't tell you how much I read about this last night. I was looking at all these different, th- oh my gosh, it's so amazing. I feel like I want to, like I'm willing to fight to make that a commonly owned arm. You know, can you imagine somebody busts up in your house in the middle of the night and you just hit your slap chop button and your Ginsu missile comes out and knives come out and it just chops somebody up? It's like a no guns life thing, right? Just chops you up. I just, if there is, I'm just going to make one plea to whatever bureaucratic agency is listening to this program right now. If there's video footage of this dude staring that thing down as it flies towards him, knives out, please, if you love America and you really love your country, then serve us all by releasing it. Leak it out. Yeah. We'll keep it private. Yeah. I just I just want to see it. Just want to see it. Folks, we got another hour on the way. Wokery, now Sesame Street's getting, or not Sesame Street, the other thing's getting sued. Oh, whatever, Muppets, Chuck E. Cheese. We've got that. We've got more on Texas elections. Stay with us. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 9 Nine nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Americans, $400,000 and below now are going to be taxed. Their that's taxes wrong. are going to go wrong. up. That's a lie. That is a pure outright lie. So their taxes are not going to go up. Not at all. And you know one thing? How about the people that are going to be saving as far as on their Medicare, $288 billion who are paying okay. higher prices than they should? Aren't they? They didn't even assume All that right. in the revaluation. They didn't talk about any of that. How so, about if gasoline prices go down because we're producing more oil to make more well, gasoline? Are- well, that's not. So this is, I thought there was a great interview yesterday between Harris Faulkner. I watched that live and Joe Manchin because she wasn't going to let him get away with it. And they were talking, of course, about the more inflation right now, Bill. 2022 it's what it's called i don't know if you guys knew that welcome back to the show dana lash here with you he secured the six and a 6.6 uh billion dollar natural gas pipeline in west virginia that is one of the one of the things that got him to support that huge almost trillion dollar bill it's because is that that's what did it and another part of his deal with Chuck Schumer was for the Senate to approve the streamlining, for the lack of a better way to put it, the federal permit, the permitting for 
oil and gas and a bunch of these other energy projects by the end of September. So Republicans don't think that Democrats are even going to keep that deal with Manchin. I mean, they're Democrats. I don't know. So that's ultimately what did it. He was saying, if we're going to move forward with this, then we got to we got to pass permitting reform. And remember, the permitting reform is one of the things, one of the criticisms that people have had over oil and gas and why everything is drug out, why it takes so long, why it's so expensive, et cetera, et cetera. So very interesting. So that's that's some of the stuff. That's why he was able to get what he got. That's why he was able to get what he got, because they really sweetened the deal with us. And he had insisted on this. He's like, oh, we're going to streamlight. There was the Mountain Valley Pipeline. And that was, that's what it's called. That's going to deliver natural gas to Mid-Atlantic, Washington Times, Mid-Atlantic and Southeastern states. It's been stalled out because of the environmental litigation, which is stupid. And if they greenlight it, that makes a concession from the Biden administration. They've been wanting to advance the the climate change stuff from the administration. So there's there's a lot of stuff here. So he got some things to benefit West Virginia. That's kind of a huge thing. I just got to stop for a second. The permitting thing is huge. And then the $600 billion pipeline thing that he got is huge. So this is what he got in order to get this done. He got the wind that wind and solar projects contingent on the Department of Interior offering two million acres per year for onshore oil and gas lease sales. The and this and the Washington Times has some of this offshore wind contingency on at least 60 million acres in federal waters for oil and gas development each year. The reinstatement of a 1.7 million acre lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico that was canceled earlier. So that's not a bad thing. I, I, the rest of the bill is heinous, and I don't think it's a good trade-off because of that. The tax credits for businesses that engage in carbon capture, the process of capturing and storing harmful greenhouses, is so stupid. Gans emissions underground, so stupid. Shouldn't have to worry about any of it. 500 million to expand biofuel infrastructure. The time limits... This is actually kind of a big thing. The time limit for permitting reviews, and it includes two years of reviews for major projects and one year for lower impact projects, a statute of limitations for court challenges to new energy projects. That's actually pretty, that's not a bad thing. An enhancement of the federal government's permitting authority for interstate electricity and the national interest, blah, blah, blah. Big finger for that. Uh, Let's see. There's like, they have a, a bunch of energy projects, modification of the Clean Water Act, Section 401, So he got some, honestly, though, the fact that they were willing to give him that, I think it's two things. They they wanted to win on this so bad and they want to tax and spend us to death. I'm sorry, I don't give a rat's backside about any of this stuff. You know why? Because they're doubling the size of the IRS. They're spending a trillion dollars. I don't care. I don't care about any of this stuff. Kane, do you care about any of this stuff? Blank your energy. I'm not trading that doubling the size of the IRS for your damn pipeline. Not doing it. Look, I love oil and gas. Love me some oil and gas. Yay, I love dead dinos. Not training this. Not trading this. Stupid. Stum. Not doing it. So, yeah, he sold out. 
they're going to fight climate change. This this thing, by the way, just so you know, it they have literally what they call environmental justice initiatives. Where they're going to give people tax credits to buy overpriced EVs. $7,500 to buy a $56,000 vehicle. $4,000 to buy a used one. It's so dumb. And they say, oh, it's going to hike ta- taxes on the rich only. No, actually, it's not. It's not, though. In fact, um, because that's something that, as this information comes out, I know that they all say this, but that, you know, does it's not making it true. The Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, said that, oh, it's not going to raise families. No, this is not going to raise families that, that um, don't that earn less than $400,000 a year. Because you're like, okay, well, how many families actually earn, you know, what do they, who earns over $400,000 a year? Um, millions. A lot. But here's the thing, too. And this is from the Joint Committee on Taxation. They... Uh, they're the ones who ultimately determine what the correct math is. And they said this is wrong. They said that, no, everyone, including middle and low income households, will see a tax hike. And this comes, uh, there's a couple of different places this comes from. This one, I want to make sure this is, I, I hate it, but it's Bloomberg. They said, no, uh, everyone, even middle and low income households are going to see a tax hike. And it's because the way the stupid, confusing language, purposefully confusing language, in the way that the penalties and the tax credits, you know, et cetera, the way that all those are that all those are written. Because they're saying, oh, well, they'll be able to get a clean energy tax offset. Okay, well, how many people are actually going to qualify for a clean energy tax credit? A clean energy tax credit. They want to give. They can't answer. They don't know. So the other question, too, they say, the other question revolves around the size of the corporations because one of their things, she, and she had this piece, and, and it was a letter that she wrote to Nancy Pelosi. And she wrote that it's only going to affect large corporations and investment professionals making $400,000 or more a year, per year. But are they talking about, I mean, when you, when you talk about corporations, what, how do you define what is or is not a large corporation? Are you defining it by its actual physical footprint? Are you defining it by the number of workers that it has? Are you, I mean, I'm just like, how are you defining that? I mean, are we, I I don't, I mean, are we, I don't know. So it's just a stupid deal. It is, it's purposefully vague and dumb and horribly written. I mean, there's no other way around it. A few other things. The, uh, this mother, this is over at Fox 6 Milwaukee. A mother is suing Facebook, claiming that her addicted teenage daughter is, was harmed by it. This is in Denver. Cecilia Tesh of Pueblo filed a federal lawsuit in U.S. District Court on behalf of her daughter, listed as RP in court documents. Her daughter's 13 years old. The attorney for Cecilia Tesh said that Facebook thwarted brain development in her daughter. They said her daughter is a heavy user of Facebook. She started using the online platform at seven years old and began exhibiting addicting behavior. 
The lawsuit states that RP's interest in any activity other than viewing and posting, posting on Facebook progressively declined. She subsequently developed injuries, including but not limited to body dysmor- dysmorphia, eating disorder, self-harm, severe anxiety, depression, decrease in motivation to do schoolwork or socialize with her family and peers. They said that Facebook was designed to allow these kids to become addicted to them and use their product without consent of their parents. So her kid was on Facebook at seven years old. That's, I'm, her kid was on Facebook at age seven? Because I think that, don't you have to, you would have to lie about your age to get on there. So how can the company be liable because the mom lied to get her daughter on there then? That's the only way that that makes sense. I, I mean, that's stupid. You know what? No, no one else is respond. Facebook is not responsible for raising people's kids. I'm so tired of this. Raise your own damn kids. Facebook is did not get your daughter addicted to anything. Your crappy parenting got your daughter addicted addicted to stuff. The fact that other parents have kids who don't hang out on social media 24-7 is kind of, you know, a fist in the air to that. Or finger in the air to that. That doesn't that doesn't fly. I'm so tired of these parents like my kids are addicted. Then do your job as parents and get your kids off social media. Stop you stop using social media as a babysitter. I remember when I was a kid, everyone's like, don't let the TV be a babysitter for your kids. Nowadays, it's don't let social media be a babysitter for your kids. 13 years old. She's been on there since when she was seven. That's just absent parenting. That's bad parenting. If your kid's on there at seven and they're, and she's a, and she started exhibiting addictive behavior and the mom didn't do anything, though she was still on Facebook, the hell's the matter with you, mom? No, I don't think a company is responsible because you're a stupid parent. I don't care how offended people get. I think some people need to get offended so they stop being stupid parents. I'm so tired of this society trying so hard to coddle all the bad behaviors and and vices and scandal of our, you know, of all the people in our culture and they excuse it and 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 attack any kind of criticism as shaming or something of that nature. It's not shaming. It's, you know, be a good parent and then don't go suing companies because your kid misused it and you didn't parent your kid. It's not Facebook's responsibility. It's not Instagram's responsibility. I don't care what these social media companies do. My kids don't get on social media. My kids are getting older now, but they, when they were super little and at the advent of TikTok and all of this, they didn't get on social. They didn't have these accounts. They didn't do all of this. Do you know why? Because I was not my, my kid's friend. I was their parent. Stop it. There's a lot of crap parents, a lot of crappy parenting happening. This is not anyone else's problem. Stop being a crap parent and thinking that everything from a company to an animate object is responsible for your child's well-being. It's like saying little Debbie made your kid fat. No, you did. You made your kid fat because you did not oversee your child's eating habits and you allowed them to purchase little Debbie. You kept paying for the Internet. If it was so bad that you couldn't get your kid off Facebook, hell, I'd have shut down Internet to my house. But you're not going to be filing a lawsuit. This is so stupid. Gosh, dang. Speaking of lawsuits, coming up, we'll tell you about how now some... What, what is it? What's this one? Oh, Chuck E. Cheese. Somebody... Apparently, it is open It is open season on mascots, okay? If you're a furry, you better run. Just saying, oh, damn, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Like, that's really going to put furries in the crosshair, so to speak, right? We got a lot more on the way. 
This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. This sounds like Belt and Road, and it sounds like the United States at the local level is sort of inviting this granular kind of Belt and Road that's it's off the uh, radar um, of the federal government, off the radar of the media. How does this compare with what China has done in other countries when it comes to Belt and Road? I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Oh boy, up to 40% of Washington, D.C.'s black students could be locked out of school over the injection mandate. Students who are over 12 years of old, 12 years of age will have to take the COVID vaccine injection to attend school. And that decision is falling really hard on the city's black students. Because 85% of their student population between the ages of 12 and 15, while they might be currently vaccinated, injected against the coronavirus, only 60% of students in that same age range have received a shot. And if the injection is strictly enforced, that's going to cause more stress to minority communities. If you want to talk about a disproportionate harm, that's it right there. Unreal. And kids are not the ones who are getting this stuff. That's They're not the ones who are getting the virus. Sean King needed $40,000 guard dog. I told you this yesterday. Well, now there's an update to it. Uh, Talcum X needed a $40,000 guard dog. He's the, the guy who is actually white, but he appropriated black ethnicity, and then he got found out, and uh, Twitter doesn't like him now. Uh, he said white supremacists tried to break into his house. That's why he needed a $40,000 dog that he eventually ended up taking back because he said it required too much attention. Duh. But he's white. How are white supremacists breaking? Okay, whatever. Uh, let's see. Reuters, I guess they know their audience. The Ukra- uh, president of Ukraine is asking for the government to study legalizing same-sex marriages. It seems like you might want to focus on the big red elephant that's like bursting down your, your border. Just, you know, maybe focus on that right now. Just saying. CNN has lost a substantial sum of money as their ratings have plummeted. And UK spies apparently were the ones who helped the U.S., Asa- uh, take out, not assassinate, render justice upon al-Zawahiri because there was a guy embedded with the uh, al-Qaeda there. Stick with us. Eric Schmidt next. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. We had some audio yeah, from the Victory Party last night. By the way, this is a great track from a great St. Louis band, Greek Fire. Great band. Great song. We had some audio of the Victory Party and remarks from the future, the future U.S. Senator from Missouri, Eric Schmidt, current AG, who Missouri voters overwhelmingly chose last night. This was a landslide. I mean, it was so early on, Cook Political was calling it 45 minutes into votes coming in because the math was such. Eric Schmidt joins us now on the phone. Very busy man now because the fight goes to the general election this November and then onward to D.C. Sir, let me be one of the first to congratulate you on air for a hard-fought victory. Missourians overwhelmingly chose you last night. Well, thank you, Dana. And thank you, by the way, for your endorsement very early on. I think um, I think you recognized what Missouri voters last night um, you know, sending a message that they want a proven conservative fighter to take on, you know, D.C. And that's what I've been doing as attorney general. And it was just a lot of fun last night. Uh, it was a raucous crowd. 
very excited. It's a big seat, you know, it's a 50-50 Senate and we got to hold Missouri and, and uh, I'm just, I'm incredibly grateful for the, uh, the faith and the trust of the, the, the voters in Missouri. Yeah, and, and you, you hit on something so incredibly important, 50-50 Senate, and even if Republicans win every single Senate seat that they're trying for, it's still going to be uh, either that or just a razor-thin margin, maybe one up, depending on if a seat can flip. I mean, everything is on the line, and when you have assault weapons bans and you have tax increases, looking at this climate change bill that uh, people were able to get Joe Manchin on, we were explaining some of that to, to listeners just last segment, uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff that it's going to be too close to call, and that's why it's so important for Republicans to main, maintain control of that Senate. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, just going into that, how how has that affected how you, either your messaging or how you are arranging your priorities after November? Look, I said last night, you know, my message is not going to change in the fall because I believe that uh, you know taking on this uh, this radical left agenda fighting for people's rights and their liberties. Um, you see all the craziness in D.C. right now, whether it's, you know, with vaccine mandates and the Green New Deal and the war on American energy and assault on our Second Amendment rights. All these things um, are, uh, are front and center. And my message isn't going to change because I think those values, those, those not just Republican values, those are Missouri values. Missourians want somebody that's going to go fight back against this craziness they see, this federal government overreach, you know, they're a couple votes away, and literally two, and mm-hmm. one of them, by the way, happens to be Joe Manchin, uh, I can't really rely on that, from packing yeah. the court and adding the states of the union and federalizing our elections, fundamentally changing this country forever. They are playing for yeah. keeps. They're not playing small ball. So you got to have the right people there. And, again, I'm just incredibly grateful for uh, the resounding win last night. We're talking to the future U.S. Senator from Missouri, Eric Schmidt, current AG, and, you know, that mansion, that vote, too, on uh, getting now this climate change bill going up after that semiconductor chips bill passed, which there was a lot of criticism over that as well. There have been people who have been questioning how things are handled. And and I I I I always I'm not a, I'm not in favor. I, or I'm not in the good graces, I should say, of the establishment. And I think the establishment in your primary went actually for Vicki Hartzler, everybody that I know, and I don't bid them any ill will, but I, th- I always kind of thought it was funny when people said the establishment were going for you because they went for Hartzler in, in that race. Uh, who, she came in a uh, distant second place. Knowing, hearing all that, some of that talk about you and establishment and Mitch McConnell, there was some criticism of Mitch McConnell in the way that this was handled, like a bait and switch with Manchin with the semiconductor bill and then now this climate change bill. Uh, I give him credit for getting Trump's uh, judicial judicial agenda done in the second uh, half of his his term because we have a, a conservative Supreme Court because of that. We have a number of federal judges that are Trump appointees because McConnell was able to get them through. Do you think it was just it was naive of leadership to to maybe make a deal like that with semiconductors bait and switch here with this and now we got this this trillion dollar tax bill that coming down the line? Yeah, I think that uh, you know. It, Sadly, uh, there's a few more examples of that, right? The infrastructure bill and the red flag law legislation, which is nothing more than a green light for gun confiscation. And I think, you know, what people want, at least what I, what I heard on the, on the campaign trail this last year, really, is you crisscross Missouri, which is culturally pretty diverse, right? You've got the boot heels very different than southwest Missouri. And Jefferson County, where you hail from, is different than... Clay County in the Kansas City area. And it's a great cross-section of this country. And what they really want are people who are going to make independent decisions, not go to Washington and change and fight for them. And so 
one of the things I would tell people, which is the God's honest truth, I am not interested in being the most popular person in Washington. I am not interested in being invited to all the cocktail parties. I'm not going there to go along to get along. My job is to fight for the people. And you see these things happening in Washington, and people can't believe it. And they're, they're beside themselves. You see this woke indoctrination in our schools, this Green New Deal. And by the way, it's important to listen to the language, Dana. They are no longer calling this climate change. Mm. It is a climate yeah. emergency, right? Yeah. And why are they using that language? Because they the don't want to make the case in Congress. They don't want to make the case in Congress. They can weaponize these agencies. And one of the things that is really important to me is dismantling the administrative state. Because what happens now is Congress doesn't have to vote on these tough things. Make Congress vote on this stuff, because you wouldn't see half this nonsense actually see the light of day if they actually had to vote on it. But they sort of outsource this stuff to these agencies, whether it's OSHA for the vaccine mandate, where they were going to force a medical procedure on 80 million Americans. I mean, this was an agency created to make sure forklifts beep when they back up, right? Not to do this stuff. So we just have to be, I think, just unafraid to say... No more. And right. President Trump had a, something called a two-for-one rule, right? If you were going to propose a new rule, you got to pull back two. But Joe Biden just got rid of that. You know, we ought to have yeah, that's... something in statute and make it ten-for-one. Why two-for-one? We just got to get rid yeah. of this unaccountability. I agree with that. I'm happy to hear you say that because that's one of the first things Trump did when he got into office was establish that rule. And I thought that and uh, he also was amending rules of engagement. I thought, oh, these are two good things that I like. Talking with Eric Schmidt, the future U.S. attorney from the state of Missouri, my home state. You, I saw some people congratulating you last night, sir. I saw Billy Long. He was a class act. He came right out of the gate and said he can't wait to work with you and helping you, you know, a, a work hard for Missourians. Uh, did you did you hear from POTUS? Because I know there's a very interesting endorsement that happened the day before that. I mean, I, you know, the right Eric won. I know there were a couple on the ballot, a few on the ballot. But um, did you hear from 45 at all? Did he call you, congratulate you? Absolutely, he did. Yep, I got a call from the president. And I was very grateful for that phone call. And he was thrilled and uh, just wished me the best. And, and um, not to get into, you know, too many of the details, but was excited about you know, the opportunity to take the Senate back. And I've been, you know, very clear. I mean, we need to move an America first agenda and yeah. I'm going to be an America first fighter in the Senate. And uh, I was, I was very grateful for his call. And, and uh, you know, we knew the numbers were headed the right way. You know, you, um, you know, the margins in certain yeah. counties, the things you look for felt, felt really great, but uh, you know, to win by, you know, 24 points in a crowded race like that is, uh, yeah. it's just, it's overwhelming. I've never me, seen anything and, and like I'm that. just so appreciative. No, I've never seen anything like that, Missouri. I I wanted to ask you, too, and I I don't want to cause headaches for you before you even get into the Senate, but I know McConnell didn't endorse you, and I know that you haven't, I mean, you don't, you're, you're, you've been keeping your head down and working hard as an attorney general because you've been in the courtroom fighting (laughs) Joe Biden on everything from mask mandates to injection mandates and Second Amendment stuff, all that, but I, I don't think, I didn't hear anything about McConnell calling you to congratulate you. Am I correct on that? Well, no, I, I, you know, I called for new leadership. You know, I was, I was, I was very vocal about that. We need new leadership in the Senate. And, uh, and I think now, you know, we've got a Democrat, you've got this, uh, Jack Danforth, got a third party candidate. I mean, we're going to be, we're in a really good position heading into the general and we just got to win. Like we just got to win. We got three months until Missouri has a late primary, of course, um, so the general's just yeah. around the corner, and uh, so I'm just going to work as hard as I can. I, you know, I, it was just great on a personal level to be on that stage with um, 
my family and uh, yeah. and supporters. It's just, and I and I told the story. Look, I came from a um, a working class neighborhood. My dad, you know, my grandfather was a, came back from World War II was a butcher. My dad was a butcher, then worked at Anheuser Busch and seven days a week in the midnight shift. And that's my background. And I'm proud of my working class roots. And I'm going to go to Washington and, and fight for working class families because they deserve to have these opportunities in the greatest country in the history of the world. And what we see happening right now is this assault on people's liberties and the opportunity for the next generation. That is what we have to keep front and center. And I think Absolutely. what it means to be an America first candidate. Absolutely. Did you, did you hear from uh, the other Eric in the race? I know that there was no concession made last night. Did you hear, did Greetings call you and, and congratulate you and concede? That did not happen. So I'm, we're just, we're, we're moving along here and, uh, and I'm confident. And I said, look, I'm, I'm appreciative for everybody that, that voted for me and, uh, and for the people who didn't vote for me and, you know, ask them to, to join in this effort because the seat's so important and we've got to, we've got to take this country back. There, there you go. And you can and definitely have to focus on that because now, as you said, Missouri's primary is late. Talking to Eric Schmidt, the next U.S. attorney from Missouri, current AG. The primary is late. Doesn't give a lot of doesn't give you a lot of time to get your feedback on the ground and then head right towards uh, the general. I I I don't like to get over my skis with stuff, but I feel pretty confident about your chances going into uh, November just because of the way issues have been tracking in Missouri. I've been, and as you know, I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit. I mean, people are worried about the recession. They're worried about the prices of energy. They're worried about you know all of these medical mandates, and and that's one of the reasons because they saw you out there fighting all this stuff, and they and they saw you were also getting results. Uh, so clearly, you know, they that emboldened them and and motivated them to vote for you. What are you hearing from voters across the country going into November? Because you know, I know that the House is one thing, the Senate's another. Uh, but I'm I'm just curious, what are they telling you? What are what is the most pressing issue for Missourians right now? I mean, clearly people are feeling the pinch, right? And this inflation uh, has affected all aspects of the economy. Um, prices at the pump, you know, prices at the grocery store. And, uh, and it's all self-inflicted by the Biden administration. I mean, they declared war on American energy on day one, canceled the Keystone XL pipeline, you know, eliminated the leasing offshore and on federal lands um, for oil expor- exploration and gas. And, um, and now you got Biden going to Saudi Arabia, uh, begging for oil and shipping strategic petroleum reserves to China. This is crazy, and people see it. And I think on day one, when Republicans take the majority, and again, I think what's important here, and what I tell people is it's not enough to get the majority back. you got to have the right people there, mm-hmm. proven fighters who are going to take on the establishment and uh, move an agenda forward that's going to help real people. And, you know, we need to open up uh, and be energy dominant again. I mean, we were under President Trump. We should be in net ex- uh, um, We should be exporting energy to our friends and allies across the world, and including being completely in energy independent and dominant here at home. And we can do all of that. That's the, the you know, the big misnomer here, Dana, is that somehow that that's unattainable. We can do it. We absolutely have everything we need to be completely energy independent. That's a national security issue. In addition yes. to a supply issue that will bring down inflation. we got to stop spending. And that's the other thing. You know, I support a balanced budget amendment. I think people get frustrated, members of both parties, um, who spend like there's no tomorrow. And we have to put, you know, pump the brakes on this out-of-control spending because it's affecting people. It's irresponsible. And we're, um, you know, stealing from future generations. It's wrong. Yes. And, and man, what a time. What a time to enter 
the Senate. What a time to be in the fray. Eric Schmidt, the future. I I appreciate that because here's the thing. We are entering, I view, the most consequential decade in our republic since the Civil War because these are very big questions we're being asked about. You know, things like, do we believe in individual rights? And do we believe that we're still the greatest country in the history of the world? All these big questions, these are not small things. And so Mm. I'm ready for that fight, and I'm going to be the voice for uh, Missourians in Washington, that's for sure. There you go. And I know everyone else who's affected by your vote in the Senate around the country is is grateful for uh, for that safe seat now, too. Eric Schmidt, the website Schmidt for Senate, the future U.S. Senator from the state of Missouri. Congratulations on your victory last night, and we're going to watch as this race unfolds and you barrel on towards November. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dana, for everything, and Chris, too. Thank you. Of course, of course. Take care. That's Eric Schmidt, who is busy now because, as you heard him say, that's a, that is a late primary, super late primary. That seat was almost in play, and it's not now. Thank heavens. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. All right, so a Florida man named Redbeard was arrested after he stole and sold his roommate's parrot. A 40-year-old Florida man who stole his roommate's electius parrot named Piper was arrested on Tuesday. Justin David Peters, age 40, was charged with grand theft and animal cruelty. If he hurt that parrot, I'm going to go John Wick. The case began on June 14th when the 37-year-old female victim stated she believed her roommate Peters, a.k.a. Redbeard, on Summerlin Key, stole her $1,800 parrot. The victim said that she told Peters repeatedly, leave him alone, you can't take him out of his cage, get out of my house. Then a witness reported seeing Redbeard at a bus stop near his business, and apparently there was a red parrot on the bench. He took possession of the parrot, called the sheriff, they tried to locate the owner. Uh, Thankfully, the bird was returned to its owner and taken to the vet. It had multiple broken bones, a dislocated hip, blunt force trauma, and other injuries. I feel like Redbeard should suffer the same consequence in jail. Happy to donate to the commissary for... You know, any jail justice. I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to because it's my free speech right. A Cape Coral woman, seriously, I will go John Wilk on a, over a bird. It will happen. Cape Coral woman was caught stealing hundreds of dollars worth of jewelry from Coles. Jessica Urbanski, she was stopped by a Coles loss prevention officer. They get you on camera. She's grabbing handfuls of jewelry, trying to hide them in her dress. She, like, was all kinds of stuff, em- emptying jewelry tags, just dropping them on the floor. So they, she left the store, but while in the parking lot, got tracked down by the employee, brought back into the store. Cape Coral police were called to the scene. They searched her purse, and oh my gosh, there's a ton of jewelry in there. $750 worth of jewelry, 35 different pieces. She was arrested and charged with larceny. Like, how are you people going to be doing? Do you not look up? There are cameras everywhere. I mean, if you're going to steal jewelry, go high. I mean, don't steal jewelry. Don't. I was going to say go high on the hog, but don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not encouraging you to engage in lawbreaking. Let's just all sue some Muppets. We'll talk about that coming up. Stick with us. Should President Biden run again in 2024? Yes. Mr. Nadler. Too early to say it doesn't serve the purpose of the Democratic Party to to deal with that until after the midterms. Ms. Maloney. I don't believe he's running for re-election. Uh, ooh. What? Uh, I feel, you know, Biden is, first off, greetings, let's rejoin. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here. I have four stories going off in my head all at once. I'm, I'm 
had a super good night. I'm super hyper today. I'm normally hyper anyway. Welcome. I'm 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 still your lovable curmudgeon. I'm just in a good mood. I'll get over it. Uh, you can stay on my lawn for a little bit. Welcome back. So, the first thing that popped into my head when I, when I saw when I first saw this this answer is Carolyn Maloney, the uh, Mahoney and uh, or Maloney and um, Nadler. These are not like little people in the party. Nadler's like a you know he's a he's got seniority. My first thought was like, oh my gosh. My second thought is, have you seen the gif of John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, right? Vincent Vega, and he has no idea where the hell to go. And he's got his coat draped over his arm and he's just kind of looking around. That's right when he goes to uh, uh, meet Uma Thurman's uh, Thurman's character. He's taking her out for a burger, remember? Uh, Because Marcellus Wallace dictated it so. And so he shows up at the Wallace mansion and he just has no idea where the hell to go. There's a gif of that. That's Biden. I got to get that out of my head. And I needed you to see that with me. Is it not? That's him. He is that guy. The This point of, I love how every Democrat now is being asked this. As well they should. Uh, they absolutely should be asked this. I, I, they, none of them, that's crazy. Maloney is just like, I don't think he should run. Nadler won't say. Whew. Man alive. So it makes you really reconsider the theory that the reason they have not been hitting the Hunter Biden stuff heavy is because that's like their arsenal to release if they can't get Biden out of this race any other way. You know what I'm saying? I want to break it up a little bit here. And we're going to come back to all this. And I got some wokery. Before I get into the wokery, I, I got to share this story. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. You, everybody, you got, everybody has favorite movies, right? My favorite movies are Godfather. Uh... I actually don't know what my second one is. My third one's Roadhouse. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that it's, you know, like Citizen Kane or something like that. I'm not. It's Roadhouse. I'm not going to lie. It is amazing. The Patrick Swayze mullet was ahead of its time. That is the mullet of all mullets. My kids laugh at it because they, oh, I will say, uh, I would I would probably have to say it's a, it's a tie for number two between Magnificent Seven, the original, or the Fuqua starring one of the, the Fuqua remakes starring one of the best actors of ever, uh, Denzel Washington, or Tombstone, because I love everybody in Tombstone, and it was a story of failed gun control. So I am just almost speechless by this headline. Deadline Hollywood says that they're doing a remake of Roadhouse. How do you do a remake of, of a classic? My kids think it's a movie about tight pants and roundhouse kicking in bars. It is. And it has one of the best scenes of all time. Kane, do you have this real quick? Can I just play, before I tell you what this headline is, can we just for a moment, before our, the, our perfect little bubble is shattered, play this one amazing scene, one of the best ever burned to celluloid. And three, be nice. Come on, honey. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk. Be nice. 
If you won't walk, walk him, but be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. Being called a personal? Ooh, well, are you? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama off. Oh, is she? Is she? <laughs> I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Oh, the rules for life, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the headline. Deadline Hollywood says in what would mark his first acting job in a major studio movie, two-time UFC champion Conor McGregor is set to join Jake Gyllenhaal in Prime Video's new reimagining of the classic 80s action pick, Roadhouse. Now, I was really excited because I'm like, I would, it's Conor McGregor, I don't care that he doesn't have a mullet and the Irish accent I mean, I don't care. He's a he's a he's an MMA fighter. I mean, an Irish bar bouncer. Okay, I, yeah. Hi, I'm of. I have some ancestors who are Irish. I totally get it. So I'm immediately assuming he's Dalton. Why would he not be? It's Conor McGregor. Why would he not be? <sighs> be still my heart because apparently. Here's what Deadline Hollywood writes. The new take follows a former UFC fighter played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who takes a bouncer t- job as a bouncer at a rough-and-tumble roadhouse in the Florida Keys. I am crestfallen. My heart is sad. I can fight no more. Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal. Is the fighter? He's going to be the bouncer Jake Gyllenhaal help me Kane because I can't get my wheels over the speed bump what I think it might have been part of his idea for this quote unquote reimagining and remake of the movie so maybe executive producer and starring in this I don't know if he has I've read the story I don't see that it shows him directing or anything like that Um, so I wonder you know, if this role, this whole idea was sparked by Jake, and that's why he's in it like that. No, you cannot tell me that Jake Gyllenhaal watched Roadhouse, appreciated it for the cinematic masterpiece that it is, <laughs> and then had the idea to reimagine it. I don't believe you. No? I I mean, I have nothing to back up my claims, but uh, it seems like that would be the path. <sighs> To get him, you believe that he even watches MMA? I, Jake Gyllenhaal? I would, I think so. I would say he's probably a fan of MMA of UFC. Dude, I'm pretty sure his eyebrows are manscaped. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but he's there's been a lot that Jake Gyllenhaal's done in the past. I've seen plenty of evidence of him, you know, doing all the physically fit necessary things. What you work for him? What what does that mean? I'm just like you're you're like you know standing pretty hard. You questioning my loyalty here? No, I'm not. I'm, I there's no loyalty here. I'm just you know like you're really pitching him. Like I'm not pitching him. I'm just speculating did. how he got involved. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. I'm, I That's all I'm doing. I misinterpreted. That's all I'm your doing. Passion. It's okay. Hey, let's ask the millennial Steve. Where are you at on this? 
Yeah. Do you do well the whole thing? Uh, I haven't seen Roadhouse in like ten years. I need to rewatch it, but I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough Jake Gyllenhaal movies to be. I, I'm with you on that point. I don't. I don't. I mean, he's an actor, so he can take in any role he wants. But we'll see how it plays out. I have no idea. I'll, I'll watch it. I mean, I. I guess I agree with the people who say leave Roadhouse alone. I get you because Sam Elliott win, uh, Patrick Swayze win, the dude who played the bad guy who's been a bad guy and other stuff and I don't even know his name win, you know explosions, fights, people getting shivved, lots of kicks, tailored jeans. I mean, I'm all these are all amazing things, right? The the blind slide player. I mean, hi. These are all amazing things. I don't think that you could put all of these amazing things together in a reimagining, but I'm willing to watch it if it's Conor McGregor kicking everybody. Totally willing to watch. But if it's Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, he was, I mean. All right, I'm, I'm on his IMDb I only know one now. thing he was in. I'm on his IMDb. It was with Heath Ledger. He was, Go ahead, Steve. He was a prisoner in Detective Loki, and he was Donnie Darko. Yeah, Donnie Darko is the only thing I've seen him in. And I can't believe anybody would... I mean, I don't get that... Care. It was a great movie, but hey, dude, you can't do Roadhouse if you've done Donnie Darko. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. I had a great soundtrack, too. I don't... Oh, man, I don't know. My heart is sad. I don't know what I think about this. Like, mm-hmm. Because at first I thought, oh, it's obvious. He's totally going to play Dalton. Dalton was a man's man. Sam Elliott was a man's man. That was a friendship, Right. Like Dalton was in trouble. Do you see stories like that today? Because everyone's toxic. No, no, no. Dalton was doing his job. Sam Elliott comes in. Hey, I'm in town. You guys want to kick some ass together? Yeah, let's do it. Woo! And they do it. I mean, you know, all American dude ship there. It's awesome. I don't know. And I liked the lady who played his his uh his love interest because her hair was perfectly sprayed every time. And you know that takes that takes a village for of makeup artistry. And stylization to make that happen. I'm really upset with this. Because I was having a really great night. Really great day. And then I see this. And I was like super happy. Thinking it was going to be Conor McGregor. And it's him. I mean, I'm willing to be proven wrong. I'm wondering who the band will happen. be in the Double Deuce. Like Dude. the Because it was the Jeff Healy band. Right? Who played that. And, he was amazing. And Jeff Healy actually really was blind in real yeah, life. Yeah. Didn't didn't, and didn't they all play that live in the film yes. too? As they, yeah. Yes. They absolutely did. Um, so I'm curious as to how they're represented in this film well i'm sure that well you're not going to have any of the uh the lady dancing i'm sure because everything is this too toxic i was reading a thing now uh where they were talking about the new game of thrones thing and they were going to try to do the violence and all of that off screen um i mean you need some of this stuff for stories i i don't like gratuitous violence like, I like horror films, but I don't like gore because I just think it's unimaginative. I like suspense. I like thriller. I like really inventive horror films. Um, horror and Western are my favorite genres. But I just, I'm, I'm like, what, don't dumb down everything. Stop dumbing everything down. It is annoying. One last quick note, and I swear we're going to get to other stuff. Ladies, I'm out there talking to you. Gents who have ladies in their lives. Most ladies, I don't dislike a good period piece. You know what I'm saying? I don't dislike some of the old Austin crap and all of that. Like, if I'm drying my hair out, I'll watch it while I'm drying my hair out. Uh, but the persuasion on Netflix killed my soul. Killed it. Killed it dead. My soul's gone because of the horrific nature of that adaptation. Clueless was based on Emma. If you're going to do a modern adaptation, do it smart like that. Or 10 Things I Hate About You, which was based on Taming of the Shrew. 
Reimagine it like that. Don't do fourth wall breaking quirky girl winky wink at the camera crap with dumbed down dialogue. Dakota Dakota Johnson was great. She's, you know, dragging this movie along and working hard at it, but it was just a it was just bad adaptation. Okay, I'm done. We'll talk about numbers, numbers, business, taxes and suing uh Chuck E. Cheese stuff. You start suing Chuck E. Cheese characters, I'm just gonna say Five Nights at Freddy's may come true. That's all I'm gonna I'm only gonna say that. We'll we're gonna talk about that. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So, a couple of things here. This, um, I wanted to get this story because I didn't get it last headline when we when we had it. I was only able to get like part of the headline. It was a New York Post. A passenger was slapped with a $1.8,000 fine after an airport canine sniffed out a McDonald's meal. Now, this person was flying from Bali, Indonesia, to Northern Australia. Now, they had uh, two McMuffins and a ham croissant. And now, you might be thinking, okay, why... Would you get slapped with a fine for that? Well, it's because apparently the food came from Indonesia, not Australia, and you had to you have to declare stuff like that. So if you're in a different country and you get a food item, even if you bite at their airport and you come in, apparently you have to declare that as well. And Australia is really strict about that. And so that's what ended up happening. It was undeclared and as a result they he gets it it was the fine was twice the cost of the airfare to bali and the minister for agriculture fisheries and forestry said in a statement this will be the most expensive marcus meal this passenger ever has i cannot do at all to save my life an australian accent without practicing at first i can't do it just like cold like that it just you know it doesn't happen uh let's see also oh i had one here a man um why do people do this? A man tried to perform a nose job on himself, and I know you're surprised. He ended up in the hospital. He was a Brazilian man. He was following. I can't even believe that there are any tutorials of the like on YouTube, but there are. He is in the hospital. The Brazilian Society of Plastic Surgery also published a warning. Stick with us. Dana gives you the meat and potatoes news of the day. None of that tofu news. More like bacon with a side of hash browns news. The news you want, the way you want it. The Dana Show. By doing this, we are fixing the tax loophole. It is important to do that. It is important to have a fairer tax system. Uh, and it is uh, important to just for people to pay their friendship. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars of uh, profit uh, that we are seeing these companies bring in uh, and not paying a cent, not paying anything for it. Uh, I cannot speak to your question that you're asking me. I cannot speak to that. What I can speak is to this legislation and why it's so important. Uh, and why we need to get it done. Okay, well, that's um, Corinne Jean-Pierre lying. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I'm trying. I'm not being mean saying this. It's just not true. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. So see, I wanted to get all the, I wanted to give you a break so we didn't like roll right into this uh, because there are tax hikes in this. So I was looking at some of the numbers on this. You have, they have it, from the Joint Committee on Taxation and the CBO using IRS data, the aggregate, like who who is going to have an increase in tax from the quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act, which is just like, let's stop all over our government act. 
The aggregate additional tax collections from 2023 to 2031 by adjusted gross income. So those making less than 75,000 see a 26.5% increase. 75 to 200,000, 29.6% increase. 200,000 to 1 million, a 24.1% increase. 1 million plus 19.8% increase. And 19.8% increase of 1 million is, is that's a sizable a percentage of that of 1 million. That's a lot. Um, and this is based off of that data. So the you're raising it's it's a, i mean over half really it's like a, a trillion they say it's a half a trillion it's upwards and more towards a trillion you're spending that you're raising half that in tax during a recession and we are in and everything is more expensive inflation that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen why anyone would do this now a couple of other things and, and as Kane notes we have record tax revenue coming in right now so the five big taxes and there's a lot of them in this but these are the five biggest so it's I, I'm rounding up because this thing they say 740 billion you guys know that it's never that and it's like almost a trillion dollars this is from the Senate, the Senate Democrats own summary At Democrats.Senate.gov, the Inflation Act. So the 15% corporate minimum tax, $313 billion. So they want a corporate alternative minimum tax on the, from from American businesses that report uh, $1 billion in profits for the past three years. Now, as ATR has noted, and others have noted, because we were talking to Norquist about this last week, they run with this idea or this lie that these corporations are exploiting tax loopholes to pay nothing in income tax annually and that's not true these are actual legal tax deductions that congress has implemented so businesses reinvest them into their business to grow their business and create jobs that's what Nor- Norquist and I talked about. He's with Americans for Tax Reform last week. That interview, and he explained it very well, is up on our YouTube page on uh, an official Dana Lash on Facebook. So they're, what they want to do is reduce the amount of capital that businesses have that they turn around and they invest in their business. They use that. I mean, they, that's their money. You make money and then you grow your business and you grow and you create jobs. Now, the problem with this, and this is from the taxfoundation.org, the problem with the Democrats' claim that, oh, we're only going after the big guys, well, that's not true, because the tax foundation, they found, look, the 15% book tax, that's what it's called, the book tax, would reduce the GDP by 0.1% and kill off 27,000 jobs. And the supply chain issues, obviously, are going to be worsened by this. So when you hear about businesses, like for instance, there have been businesses that have been, because of supply chain issues, they have to change things up with how they, how they have their stuff delivered or taken from ports or whatever. You're, you're, this is going to make this worse because you're reducing their capital ability to be able to do that. You're reducing their ability to be able to pay. Here's the other thing. Gas prices are more expensive and shipping prices as a result are more expensive. 
if companies are trying to be competitive and keep down those costs, they're going to they're going to invest some of that a little bit to be in, in their own services to be competitive. They're not going to be able to do that either. I mean, there's I mean, I could sit here and go on over the, a ton of stuff that's going to be affected by this. I mean, when you're especially when those that are going to get hit are some of the businesses in these key industries. They said that uh, the tax foundation also said that the coal industry is going to have the heaviest book, bur- the heaviest burden of the book minimum tax. Because you got a net tax hike of 7.2%. That's its pre-tax book income. Followed by taxes on automobile, truck manufacturing. That faces an over 5% hike. Now, the other big thing that was noted, the other big tax, is this 95% tax on prescription drugs so that they can force price controls. They want price control of drugs. It's $288 billion. It's an excise tax, a 95% excise tax. And this comes... There's this is a piece that, a good piece that explains it is uh, Mike Pallets wrote this Biden isn't negotiating drug prices. He's forcing price controls through tax hikes. Price controls always fail. And what they want to have is this 90 percent excise tax on prescription drugs unless drug manufacturers allow the government to set their prices. That is some straight up Marxist garbage. Holy cow. And but Biden said, I want to get this done before August recess. So get it to my desk. That's why the and this is in this. That's why they're fighting. They want to allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices so that you can have these government price controls. And what will those be enforced by, Kane? Tax. High taxation. So you have bureaucrats at HHS. Who heads up HHS? What's his name? Uh, Xavier Becerra, who has literally no background in health or human services. They're going to inject themselves into the market and metal and dictate prescription drug prices by setting what they call an MHP or maximum uh, or MFP, maximum fair price. And that's going to be, as Pallets notes, the basis for Medicare reimbursement and patient cost sharing. Except that they refuse to believe, they refuse to accept that it would be subject to this tax at 65%. So they're going to take it up to 95%. Now, the CBO, here's the thing. The Congressional Budgetary Office has already said that there is no new revenue from this increased excise tax because no one would pay it. Yeah, as Kane notes, what this does, remember how Trump wanted to drive costs down with competition? This eliminates it. And by the way, guess what else is going to happen as an offset of this, as a consequence of this? When you're controlling drug prices, you're going to kill your innovation and reduce the supply of new drugs available. That was the CBO says, quote, in the longer term, the CBO estimates that the reduction in manufacturers revenues from from Title One would result in lower spending on research and development and thus reduce the introduction of new drugs. CBO's analysis of the bill is not complete. Its preliminary estimate is that a reduction in revenues of point five trillion to one trillion. So they're going to eliminate competition. Kane, you made this good point. Share that on you because this yeah, is a great been, point. They've actually been controlling. As a government, they've been controlling prices by awarding Pfizer, J&J, Moderna, all those vaccine contracts, and then pushing essentially on the American people essentially a force 
whether you work for the federal government, you're forced to get vaccinated. They're putting it in schools now. It's a requirement for a lot of schools. These kids have to be vaccinated. These are all government protocols. They are the ones that are driving the prices for these pharmaceutical companies. So they just want to continue their control. Yep, that's exactly it. And, we, and we're going to have more of that. That's crazy. Now, that's I'm still going through the taxes. I know everyone's like, wait a minute, the segment's not over. No, it's not. It's not over. Here's the other thing, the supersizing of the IRS. And they're going to increase their audits. $124 billion. The bill is spending $80 billion, expanding the IRS, doubling its size. Here's the thing that's not talked about. Do you realize that they're getting unlimited authority to hire whoever the hell they want? 87,000 additional agents. They're going to go after small businesses and taxpayers. They're anticipating uh, to increase audits annually by $1.2 million under the plan. Now, they say that they're... Now, this is the other thing that Norquist made mention of last week when we talked about this, Grover Norquist with Americans for Tax Reform, AT, ATR.org. IRS employees, he said, only answered the phone. How was it like 19 to 20% of the time? So you're going to hire 87,000 more people to do this? Like they, they said that they, the taxpayer services, Democrats spent 14 times as much money for enforcement. Yet that's the result that they got. They only answered the phone 19 to 20% of the time during an independent uh, uh, report. There, and here's the other thing you got to think about. People have been warning. There's a couple friends of mine who've written some really great pieces on the criminal justice ramifications of this because the IRS is super negligent. You guys remember the Lois Lerner thing? Lois Lerner was the big wig up at the IRS and when all these Tea Party groups were trying to get their tax structures so that they didn't violate campaign finance laws and all this stuff, she slowed it down and actually impeded people being able to exercise their free association, which I question whether or not it's free if you have to ask permission from an unconstitutional entity like the IRS, hindering their freedom of expression and their freedom to assemble, etc. We're adding more Lois Learners, just so you know. And it is there. The IRS has been described as having a very negligent culture, malicious culture. And so you're going to have searches and seizures on small businesses, households. There's a lot of this. There was a couple of really good pieces where the IRS, uh, and this is a piece uh, that was, who's this written by? Actually, I don't have a byline on this. The I'm going to put this in your email prep. The IRS Criminal Investigation Division was found to have left critical evidence sitting around an employee break rooms hallway stacked outside on cubicles. Uh, the report, uh, here it is, treasury.gov, uh, T-I-G-T-A. This is their report. They said during our walkthrough at CI offices, we observed some sites had evidence everywhere. They found that they don't maintain evidence access control logs to access area where evidence is stored, etc. Carelessness. The inspector general, when they went in, they found that the IRS was an outlier in terms of how sloppy they were in handling everything. You have to the, the ramifications of this and Reason magazine wrote about some of it. Grant, when you the federal government has to maintain chain of custody for seized items. And the IG report is that the IRS fails to do this. And when you I mean, they have to be able to prove it that prove it's the same item that was seized and that it was in their custody the entire time in order for it to be admitted as evidence in a court of law. 
And one of the things that I think it was Reason and a couple of other people, including ATR, had noted is that the grand jury related evidence, you have to keep that separate from non-grand jury evidence. And the inspector general report found that they routinely ignored protocol violating the rights of taxpayers they are supposed to protect. They are expanding this. This is all the stuff that's happening. The natural gas tax, $8 billion. I mean, this is a nightmare. This is what Joe Manchin, he for a $600 million pipeline, he signed on for this. That don't seem like a good trade to me, does it to you? No, of course it doesn't. And one last thing, digital, um, the issue with... Uh, the book tax, Tom Herbert wrote a great piece at digitalliberty.net saying that the reckless minimum book tax is going to put America behind communist China in the 5G race. I'm going to include this in your email prep so you can see all of this stuff that is in this inflation bill. It's not about controlling inflation. It's about expanding government control. We'll, we'll get into I'll send that all to you. Sign up. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. Send out a lot of stuff. I sent out all kinds of stuff yesterday as well. It's been kind of a, kind of a busy week, too. So, And we'll keep you uh, updated with all the stuff as we roll into november everything with the primaries and well primary is pretty much done at this point missouri's were some of the latest uh but um as we roll into november the general election and we're gonna we'll start giving you a bit uh, now that we roll into august we'll start giving you a little bit of lay of the land for the senate the house i'm gonna watch some of the the more contested races and uh but I'm going to probably I'm going to probably have my eyes mostly on the Senate when I did uh, election coverage. Gosh, I've done election night coverage for years. We would I would always look at break out of House and Senate. So we'll going to we'll keep uh, keep watch over all that for you. Plus the trajectory or whatever happens with this inflation bill. One last thing as we round out the day I posted uh, yesterday. Somebody in my town saw this Dallas, the uh, NBC five in Dallas. The uh, people who were like to smear parents in and around Dallas and Fort Worth who fight CRT and all that stuff in their schools, they were casting for a commercial. They said uh, a producer wrote, said, uh, I work at NBC5 and I'm producing a commercial to showcase the diversity, equity and inclusivity of our news team, news stories and in our community. We're looking for diverse and cultural backgrounds to be paid extras interacting with NBC station anchors and reporters, non-union. We're looking for approximately 15 to 20 folks for a two day shoot, blah, 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 blah. And they said that you're they're basically going to be people like interacting and, and serving you'll be setting a banquet table and passing food around the table you're going to be serving they want culturally diverse non-union extras to serve their non-diverse newsroom so that they can pretend that they're diverse that's hysterical today's stupidity kane all right corinne jean pierre earlier today said uh, SCOTUS, what scotus did by exercising federalism and sending abortion decisions back to the states she today now admits that biden's new rule will use Medicaid 
to pay for abortion services in states where it's banned. Listen. Uh, look, I mean, just to, you know, it's really important what this is going to do. It's going to help, in particular, low-income women, right? If you think about it, it paves the way for Medicaid to pay for abortions for women having to travel out of state. Uh, Secretary Becerra will invite states to so that. So their, their effort keeps going. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think so. Folks, that does it for us today. I will be back with you tomorrow. Have a great night.